Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily for the 3rd of April. Hard to believe it's April 3rd or 10 days left in the Flyers regular season and just six games remain. And joining us as he does every week of the year and all through the season as well from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, for the tank people, they'll be happy with the results this weekend. Two losses, 6-3 against the uh, Buffalo Sabres and a 4-2 loss against the Penguins. Competitive in both, but both L's. <laughs> yeah, one out of a possible six points in the last three games, I, you know, which which moves them not at all. <laughs> and the wins in the homestand really move them not at all either. That's, yeah. You know, yeah. That's the crazy part. They had a seven-game point streak, and it really didn't change their position. And it wouldn't have changed their position a whole heck of a lot. I mean, and, and you think back to, you know, when you're in a playoff chase and you're a bubble team and you see a team that gets hot, A, because of all the three-point games and just because, you know, just how many games teams play, it's hard It's hard to really move too far up or down. That's why, that's why every year they have those cutoffs, like Thanksgiving or Christmas time or whatever. You know, there's always going to be those hot streaks and cold streaks and even the, you know, all about the Boston Bruins who seem – Almost slump proof, but uh, but pretty much every team goes through those ups and downs in a season. So, you know, it gets past the point where you're just not likely to move all that much. Yeah. yeah. There's so many points now, and it takes a lot to move either way. And you have all these three-point games because teams are playing jockey in for playoff position. With the loss last night, the Flyers, uh, for the Penguins rather, uh, they leap back into the playoff mix, a point up on – um, the Florida Panthers. So we'll see how they finish out. Flyers go 0 for 3 against the Pens on the season. Bill, it's funny though, I was cleaning out my broadcast bag, getting a little jump on the end of season, season cleanup. And I found an e- email that I had printed from the 11th of September, 2022 at 7.58 p.m. I'm betting this was a Sunday. And you and I went over this on a Sunday night. I had the top 20 questions for Flyers 2022-2023 season. Yep. And as I was looking, I was going through a couple on the previous episode. And some of the questions I asked turn out to be non-factor questions like, well, I mean, who fills the leadership void with Giroux gone or who eventually wears the C for this team? We don't know that this year. We, Torts has said that they're not going to have a captain next year. Um, and then some of the questions were pretty poignant, though. I'm going to go over all of them with you at the end of the season, but I do want to bring up this one because it, it's a really interesting one. It was question number 10 or statement number 10 that I had on here. And I said, which of these three players will show significant development development this season at the NHL level? And the three I listed were Frost, York, and Tippett. And I remember at the time, you and I talking, saying, man, if one of the three shows significant improvement, that's a good thing. If two of the three show that, that's fantastic. But I think that we're ready to say that three out of three have shown significant improvement. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, and it hasn't just been – it hasn't just been when the game has been meaningless late in the season. You know, you're talking about uh, – I mean, York didn't come up till early December. Um, Frost wasn't moved up in the lineup until basically early December, and, and Tippett's been, you know, progressing all along. But you're talking about a sample size of 50-plus – you know, 50, yeah, about 50 games. And uh, – those three guys just keep getting better and better and better. And, and you know, if you're looking for silver linings to the season, 
I think that though the development of the young players is a general topic, but those those three specifically have been one of the big positives for sure. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, Bill, I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately we said this quite a bit. I tell you, say it quite a lot. Even in a season where you're not headed to the playoffs, you have to get something out of it. And I see some of these games of late where the team goes down against Carolina, for example, two two-goal deficits in that game. And the guys leading the way back, no offense to Kevin Hayes, no offense to Tony D'Angelo, no offense to veteran players, but it's these young players. And it's them taking a bigger bite of the apple game to yeah. game. And it's not, and it's about a standard and not giving up in resiliency. And they seem to be grabbing that. And I think the thing that we take out of this is, and it's not just those three players, Frost, Tippett, New York. It's other players on the NHL roster, Farabee looking to finish strong, Sanheim hopefully as well. But it's also the Forsters that came up. And Denoye, who I didn't think looked out of place when he came up. Even, you know, Ole Lixell showed flashes. He's not ready, but he yeah. showed flashes. And we're going to probably see Ronnie Adderd. It seems like the development which has been a huge area of concern and criticism, and rightfully so, seems to maybe have pivoted at this point, and that could be a great thing for this organization moving forward. Still need the high-end talent, still a long way to go, but if you're able to develop and draft well and bring these players up that aren't making much money and that will be probably a slowly rising cap world for a little bit, that could be hugely beneficial. Without a doubt, without a doubt, and – you know they're they're obviously trying to develop talent in house. It, it's funny how these things kind of take on take on a momentum once you actually finally start to get it right. Uh, after it seems like years of, I mean, years of of guys developing well before they turn pro. You know, to me, drafting and development are almost two different things. You draft a guy, you, you like the tools he has, you see some upside, and then you watch him progress his first year after the draft. You watch him progress his second year after the draft. You know, is he playing in World Juniors? If he's playing in World Juniors, is he playing a significant role on his national team? Um, how's he faring in the welts of the league he's playing at that level? And the Flyers actually, for a long time, were doing quite well at that, actually. They were getting guys to the pro level, you know, into the pro game, wherever you'd want them to be. And then, for a variety of reasons, um, whether it was finding the right role for the guy, defining what his niche is going to be as a, as a pro, or taking that next step when you get him to the NHL, or in many cases, you know, bad luck with injuries was a piece of it too. And, um, these guys were just developing modestly or like uh, or like a Farabee who took a big jump in the second pro year and, you know, that had a disappointing third year and the injury and, and the next surgery. And, you know, a lot of stories like that. Um, and this year, there's a really a focus on not bringing guys up before they were, before they were ready. Um, you know, I, I do want to address that for one second. I mean, Hexy was a believer in slow cooking guys. I remember when I remember when people wanted Provorov directly in the NHL out of the draft. And he went back to the Wheat Kings for one more year. And 
TK in his first training camp at 18 came out and scored some goals early and the uh, Flyers sent him back to the Ontario League for, for another year. So it's not like they've, they've always just rushed guys to the NHL. I think that's a little bit of a false narrative. But I do think once guys came up to the NHL, in part because of lack of depth, guys ended up with maybe little bigger roles than they were ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when people say, play the kids, well, well, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, sometimes if you put them too, too much on their plate too soon, it, it, it can actually be worse than, you know, than the, the guy having to beat down the door. And when he finally does it, then, then he shows he's ready. Um, so I, I think, I think it's been, I think it's been all those factors and, and even more to it than that too. You know, guys like um, when they went, when they were playing for the Phantoms, the Phantoms for a number of years, the guys who were really, you know, really the guys getting the most important minutes in the team um, or were the Cal O'Reilly's and, and the Greg Carey's and, you know, those good players. Future. Good players. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's your future. And one of the, one of the really promising signs and saw it again on, on Sunday with the Phantoms is this, this time now it's the young guys. It's the young guys that, that have them on the, on the brink of the playoffs. And that, that to me is a very promising sign. Um, and it wasn't like the, the first sign of Tyson Forster doing well this season. They got him up into the NHL. Or, or that with uh, Elliot Denoyer, or that with Ronnie Adder, or just going down the line. Those guys spent most of this year in the American League. And they really kind of got their bearings under them and you know came up to the NHL and, and showed that at the very least, they weren't out of place. And, and in a case like Tyson Forster, they actually excelled. And, and I think that that, uh, that that's a big piece of that's a big piece of development. That that's good information for them, and and can be something they can continue to employ that method of development working forward because it now finally seems to be in the right course and working. Yeah, and and you know you want it to be something that you can bank on. As a known, we're going to talk about knowns and unknowns in a minute, but I want to talk about Travis Konechny because Bill, they could have shut him down for the year very easily. They decided to shut Couturier down. I'm, I'm gutted for the player because I know that he was really eager to get back and it's going to be a long time since he's played come next fall after an off season, six months from now. But um, Travis Konechny, he works his rear, rear end off to come back too. He played 52 games at 54 points, proved a lot this year but worked his tail off to come back. Cause I think he's bitten a bigger piece of that leadership element and wanted to be there and be on the ice with his team and help his team. And I'm really shocked that after missing 16 games that he has come back and he doesn't look like he's missed a shift in, in the first game against Buffalo. I go, okay. He was really good in the game. He scored a goal. He was in on it all night. Maybe that's adrenaline, but then he comes in in a back-to-back plays over 22 minutes against the Penguins has another goal was absolutely robbed on a goal by uh, Casey DeSmith, set up uh, Frost in the first period that Frost got, frankly, robbed on, on a great save, a blocker save from Casey DeSmith. Once again, connecting five shots on goal. He's all over it again. And I look at it and I go, boy, this is a player that, by you know coming back in the way he's performed since he comes back, I know the coaching staff and I imagine the interim general manager has a ton of admiration for the player already, but when he comes back and he comes back the way he has, I think that the admiration goes even deeper. And he's been excellent in the two games since he's returned. 
No, I, absolutely. Um, again, these are, you know, okay, the games aren't meaningful, but you don't know by watching him, yeah. right? They that, mean that something to him. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely mean something. That, that intensity level, he doesn't have an off switch on it. And, you know, sometimes it works against you, some frustration penalties and those kind of things. But you live with those things because because the, the positives significantly outweigh the negatives. Um, you know, and then something, it is also information you have to take into the offseason, too. Um, you know, when you're, when you're gauging about how do you go about this rebuild, um, he's a guy, you no, know, without a question, without a question, contending teams would, would love to trade for Travis Connecting and they would give up real quality to do it, including fairly high end prospects. So it all, it all comes down to okay, not just replacing his minutes, but also working towards what you're trying to build here. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what is your timetable here? And I, I mean, connecting, connecting when the, when the discussion came up in mid season, the move him off season and, you know, and I see both sides of the coin on that, but it's, it's hard. It, 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 it's hard when you're, a, he is he is a homegrown talent in his mid twenties now, and really, I think he could be this level for quite a few years to come. So you got to got to got to weigh that, but also what you what you just said too, in, in terms of being a guy who really wants a wants to be here and wants to be part of the leadership group. That that are things that are that are very much needed here, um, because a rebuild isn't just collecting. Assets. It's not just who you draft um, and, and what young players do you bring up. It's also about, you know, I mean, Tortorella loves the word standard. But but who are the guys who are the guys who really want to be here, really want to be flyers? And that, that's not every player. Some guys, it's just the uniform that they wear. Like the guys who really take pride in, in who they play for and, and wanting to be part of that. I mean, are, are there scenarios where you might want to, where you might trade that guy and just get a deal you you can't refuse? Maybe, but you got to be really careful. You you can't get something like that wrong. Um, so I mean, Connectney, Connectney. When we talk about like good things this season, you know, the the funny thing is the um, you know, in in all in all transparency here, we had to submit our our votes for the team awards. And because connecting missed so much time, um, I did not vote for him to win the Bobby Clark Trophy just based on the number of games he missed and thinking that he might not get back in the lineup. Yeah, um, it was 52 games at that point. Yeah, and, and had I, you know, had, been, had the had I sent the vote in a week later, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of reconsidering it now because yeah. he would have been my pick based on games played, you know, with, with all the time he missed. So. You know, but 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 I would say that based on just the games he's played, you know, connecting has been the team's most valuable player, position player, certainly. Yeah, and, and he does bring that element of what they need is a, a person that can jump on the ice and command attention because he like like the Penguin game and like the Buffalo game, it's not just when he's scoring goals or setting up teammates; it's the attention that he creates when he's out there to open up avenues for his line mates and that's a big element of it as well um you know bill when i talked to torts last week um 
I thought it was interesting that he went upstairs for two games. And I, I said, boy, that's scary as hell on that bench for those players because you can't hide from the eye in the sky. And it, it really puts everybody on notice because, I mean, every row that you're – when you're up top, every row that you move down the game gets faster, bigger, stronger, and harder. <laughs> but from up there, it, it looks easy. It does look like an easier game, but it's not. And Torts knows that. He's back on the bench for the Penguin game. But it, it did lead to some conjecture about Torts. Is people were saying, I got a lot of DMs to this effect. Is Torts angling for the president job and seeing how Bradshaw runs the bench? Because Bradshaw ran in a 12 and six and then he ran an 11 and seven, you know? And I was thinking about that and I almost wanted to dismiss it, but then I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. Um, but is Torts too valuable right now for the organization as the head coach and creating the standard? to even consider moving upstairs as the president? It, it, you know, this is hard since we don't really know what's going on Yeah, behind those closed doors. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think that certainly certainly his biggest strength is in, in uh, the coaching. You know, and, and a lot of the, the, the psychology of the game. I mean, so much of that is really... What he's what he's come to specialize in. There, there's a lot of good coaches in X's and O's and those kind of things. And you know, um, different coaches motivate different ways, and different ways can work. Um, but I but I do think that in terms of advancing the team towards an identity and a standard and and you know whatever buzzwords you want to use, I mean, Tortorella has done exactly what he's brought in to do in that regard. Um, do, does he want that role? I, I don't know. I mean, certainly he wants input in personnel decisions. That's yeah. been very, very clear from uh, from the, the early stages, uh, even, even in training camp. He said, well, we're going to meet with Chuck and we're going to talk about Um So, you know, certainly, uh, certainly, although sometimes towards pulls back a little bit, well, you know, I'm just coaching the team that I have here. Yeah. But yeah, but 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 yeah, but but he certainly has input on the uh, on you know on the roster itself. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand either. Um, I would say the odds still favor he's the coach. You hire a different team president and and go from there. But I I, I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't say it's a given. Yeah, I'd say it's a my if the, if he does have eyes on that, it's a migration to that. But it's gonna. They need more years of him behind the bench, as he said, living it. You know, he said yeah. he said managers used to question him all the time about how much is, he has his team around and practices his team. I said it's about quality of practice. It's not about quantity. Like bring the guys in. Let's get a lot of work done. Let's make these are quality sessions. And let's not come out here and just go on the ice to go on the ice. He's got to manage them, and he's living it. And sometimes managers are watching it be lived, but not living yeah. it. And maybe there's a migration there at some point, and maybe that's Bradshaw's. He's the heir apparent. I don't know, but um, I was taken back by it a little bit. But let me ask you a few things about some things that you know. This season's all about finding out who's who, what's what, and what we know and what we don't know. Let me ask you a few things and determine if they're known or still unknown. And I want to start with Owen Tippett, but I look at Tippett and I go, okay, if he goes into this off season, takes all the things, the, the know that he is a good NHL player. And he works on some of the areas where 
he needs a little bit of work finishing in tight, more driving to the net, a little bit more power to his game. He's got a lot of it already. But if he does those things, he's not secondary scoring. He's a primary scorer at the NHL level. He's not going to get you 50, but he's a primary scorer on your team. Is that Yeah, and, and certainly certainly that the the next jump into that 30 to 35 range. Yeah. That, that's certainly within reach for him. Very plausible. Um, that's certainly plausible. Um, I mean, tonight he got robbed on one. <laughs> absolutely got robbed on one. Second time this year that the Smiths got him on on yeah. uh, one. There's absolutely ticketed. Um, you know, the, the number one thing, we've discussed this on, on previous shows, and uh, Tortorella has mentioned it, um, and he's doing a better job at, at powering the puck to the net when he has it. Um, so, you know, scoring, taking the puck to the net, or scoring in a second chance opportunity, you know, the, the second whack at the puck. And he's definitely made progress in that. I still, I still want to see him when a line mate has the puck, him getting open, dri- driving, driving to the net, and and you know those uh, slam dunk goals at, at the back post, those you know, those backdoor kind of plays. He certainly can make them, but he, he's almost he's almost often higher in the zone, off to, off to the flank a little bit. I'd, I'd like to see him there focus on get to the net. And, uh, and then sometimes the puck goes in off your shin pad or whatever. Just, just, just a few, just a few more of those would get him the 30 goals. You see so a lot I think, of that out of Faraby lately driving the yeah, net hard. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, no, don't ask how you score him and, and he'll get his nice ones too. But I mean, I, I think that just that, that's all there in his reach. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll be a forty goal guy, but I think but I think uh, the thirty to thirty five range is within his range. I I agree. You know, Tippett and Frost are so similar in the realization of what they are and can be at the NHL level. And I talk about body language. It's not necessarily body language, but it's decision making on the ice and what you're willing to consider and what you're willing to try that shows the air of confidence. We've seen it with Tip a lot over the last, you know, couple of months, frankly. And we're seeing it a lot now over the last month and change for Morgan Frost. Um, Frost has bloomed. I mean, I look at the first 30 set. He played 75 games this season. In the first 37 games, he had eight goals, seven assists, and 15 points. Was on, on the ice 15 minutes and 18 seconds a game and a 12.9 shooting percentage. The next 37 games, so this takes away the Pittsburgh game last night. He's got 10 goals, 16 assists, and 26 points. 16.54 in ice time, so usage is up, and 12.7 shooting percentage. Um, But seeing, it's not just about those numbers. It's about what our eyes are showing us, what he's willing to do, and where he's willing to go, and what he's willing to try. And in that game against Buffalo, he scores his second goal, and then he goes in on another rush opportunity in the second period and tries this pirouette spin move backhand. And Uka Pekaluka ends up making a really good save on it. But the fact that he's trying those things shows me that we're seeing a player that is removing the shackles and has unlocked his NHL talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, listen, when you are as creative as Frost is at his best, you're going to break some eggs. I liked. I actually liked in you know, the Pittsburgh game. He he turned the puck over high in the offensive zone, but he actually went back on the back check and he had a, had a takeaway at the other end. And the Flyers got a two on one out of it. You know, 
that, that's uh, he's doing a lot of that. You you and I talked about how he's making a lot more stick on puck plays and actually oh, yeah, creating great one at the blue line <laughs> in the yeah. Pittsburgh game. Ab- yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely, and and creating offense out of defense. Um, as a result, um, in 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 many cases, um, or neutral zone turnovers, then you're 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 working with short ice, um, and if he does turn one over, even if you know, uh, like the, the game against Buffalo, um, you know, scores a really nice goal, um, that he's on the ice for the one in the final ten seconds of the period, you know, there's certain things you're going to have to live with. I thought there was effort on the play. I had no problem with the effort on the play. Mm. Um, listen, Kyle Posto has 28 pounds on Frost, and that's that's a physical mismatch. He's going to get shoved aside still. Yeah, and that's you know I it, had him at the intermission, yeah. Bill. He fell right on his sword. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you just got muscled on it, and uh, you know that's, that's still going to happen at times, um, but it. He didn't back into a shell. That's what I liked. Is that he kept on competing, and uh, you know, obviously scored another goal later on. But just keep at it. Just keep at it. Some something happens. Turn the puck over. You're on the ice for a goal against or, or whatever. Just don't. You know. You know. One of the things. One of the things with Frost. I thought last year was the case. Was sometimes he would get too conservative mm-hmm. and too safe. And and that, that's not who he is as a player. That that's yeah. not when he's effective. He's effective when he's effective when he's trying things. And uh, you know, like the yeah, like the, the, the spinorama backhander on the net. He's not doing he's not doing those kind of things when when he's not feeling confident. Um, and I, I like that. I like that his just how self critical he, he is, and, and he mm-hmm. wants more. He didn't he didn't like his Ottawa game as an example. Now in that Ottawa game, um, it was act- actually he made that that crazy pass off the end wall that started the tic tac toe goal for, you know, for uh, for Tippett, uh, and that's a nice big 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 play uh, in the game. But he looked at his whole body of work for the game, and it really wasn't too bad. But he wasn't happy with it. That's yeah. good. I, I like I like to see that. So, just, yeah. just, it just shows him maturing and, and blossoming as a player to where his expectations for himself are, are, are really high. And, uh, yeah. and when he does have the, he, a, he wants the puck and B when he has it, um, you know, he, he, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not shy about making things happen or trying to make things happen. You'll, you'll see him tapping a stick, wanting the puck a lot yeah. more often too. So all good stuff. Yeah, when you want it, when you just want to get rid of it like it's a grenade, then that's an issue for a creative playmaker. And the thing with him, too, is you're starting to get this. I kind of felt it in the building in the Buffalo game. He had two goals in the game, of course, but every time he was on the ice, you felt like something pretty pretty incredible could happen, you know, a dynamic play. And we haven't seen a ton of dynamic play since Jeru's left, so um, that's, that's a great thing to see. You know, when I talked to Torts last week, Bill, we were talking about subtraction and, you know, he said there's seven, eight, nine guys that he wants to move forward with. That's a lot of subtraction. I don't know if he's going to accomplish all that in one year, but he, he reiterated what he had said in the press conference where, you know, I don't see us getting involved in a big way in free agency, you know, maybe a penalty killer, bottom of the line guys. And he said in particular, because I don't want to block, I don't want to sign a guy to block any of our young kids coming up. 
So that's the Forsters. Maybe that's Adder. Maybe that's Emil Andrea. Um, and, and he cited it on defense in particular. But what it told me was that that one of these main D is not going to be here. Who is it? Yeah. If you look at the process of elimination, if I mean I don't I don't think this offseason Travis Sandheim can be moved. So that that eliminates Sandheim. Um you're gonna keep York. He's part of what you're building. Yep. Um, I, I think they're happy with they're happy with the niche that they found for Ristol Heinen. Yeah. Um I mean Steeler is unrestricted in a year, but he, he's not making any money at all. I, I think Steeler's back too. Well, and if he's your seventh, you don't care. He's not making any money. Right. Right. So you're 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 looking at, at Provorov. Yep. And you know, the I mean it, it, it that's that's really you know, that's interesting in, in, in how you go about that. Um, you know, I, to me, you still have to try to make a good hockey trade here. It can't be just a salary dump. It, it has to be a trade where you're getting some value and some youth in return. I'm not expecting anybody to blow the Flyers out of the water. You're not getting Quentin Byfield, so let's get that out no, of our head. You're not getting Quentin Byfield. I mean, that was, a, that was, a, that was a, an ambitious ask, ask, but you're not getting it, right? Yeah. Um, and you're not going to get it this offseason either. But, but you can get you may get some value in return, um, a pick and, and hopefully a, a young a young roster player. Even if that pick is not a first rounder, um, you know, how do you replace those minutes? Well, you, it's hard to do right off the bat, but it's something I think needs to be done. Um, that that's one guy who's let's see, and then the six year deal he signed, I guess, is year five, so he'll be unrestricted the year after that. He's got one or two left after this. Yeah, I think I think next year and then the year after that. But if you're going to trade him, the year to do would be next year, you know, before next season anyway. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's really when you have to think. Think when you think timelines. So Provorov is is the guy you say would be the most obvious, and then there's there's all the ancillary stuff too. And, and again, you know, you you hear stuff, right? You, you hear. But if you're not actually in the room, I, I never like to just go on what Here's you hear. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we all hear the same things. Um, this, this is what I'll say for, for Provorov, that you know, A, he'll play through anything. And, and B, um, you know, while well, sometimes he tries to take on too much and do too much, and you can see it on the ice, some of the, you know, some of the mistakes that happen by trying to do too much. Um, I mean, I, 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 but I, but he's, you know, he's a competitor when he's on the ice for yeah. those 60 minutes a night, whatever, whatever the relationships might be in the room. He's, uh, he's very much a flyer from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And then if the guys go their own ways, that, that, that may be the case, but, but just, just by process of elimination, um, you know, I, I think that that would be the most likely starting, starting indeed not to be back. Um, because the other guy said they're either young or they're they're role players or, you know, I mean uh, honestly, if the Flyers were inclined to move on from Mr. Linen, um, he might be a guy who could move this offseason because now now he's found his role and his niche and what worked for him and so I'm not you know I wouldn't say totally how to sort out you can move him, he's still in his 20s, getting in his late 20s, but but to make to make actually an impact to shake up a roster, 
you know, number nine would be that guy. Yeah, I, I think that's obviously the most likely one. And, and like you said, too, I, I don't go on hearsay until I hear players say, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but there is a lot of hearsay there that tends, you know, lead you to believe that where there's smoke, there might be fire. So um, if that is the case and that is, in fact, the, you know, the absolute element of it, then then it makes even more sense. But we'll see how that plays. I agree with you. You can't just you're not giving somebody away. I mean, he's got two years left after this. The cap hit for him is six point seven five. He's under contract till the twenty four twenty five season. So um, you are playing trading player that's got some term and and some you know some cap certainty, which is a big thing for teams trying to acquire D. And I look at like Chickren and you know what he got, you know what Arizona got, or you know something like that. Um, I think it's a pretty similar situation um, with Provorov. So we'll see how that plays out. Bill, great stuff. Um, busy week this week, Tuesday in St. Louis, Thursday in Dallas to take on the Stars at 8.30, Saturday against the Islanders, and Sunday, oh, yeah, ho-hum, you get the Boston Bruins. We'll see how this plays out this week as uh, uh, the season winds to its conclusion coming up on the 13th against the Chicago Blackhawks. Six games to go. Everybody, thanks for listening. Check out Bill's work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Great commentary there, and we will talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Tale. I would like to reach out my hand. Oh, tell you to run. Well, pick me up with golden hand. Nobody say, nobody else.